Hey friends, you're listening to Whole Heart with Monica C. Guidry, a place where you can discover your purpose, your passion, and a place to get tips to get zest for your life back. Keep listening. Every Monday and Thursday, new uploads and tons of laughs right here. Welcome to Whole Heart, friends. <laughs> this is Monica C. Gidry. That was so lame. This is the second time that I did this, guys. Welcome to Whole Heart, friends. This is Monica C. Gidry. I'm so glad that you are joining in and listening. And I hope that you've enjoyed these past few weeks um, for this special edition, talking about sex, everything sex with Dr. Celeste Holbrook. Um, today, we're going to be finishing up with Dr. Celeste. I don't know what I'm going to do without you. What, what am I going to do with life? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we can still do this. We can just do this every Monday. <laughs> I'm like, hey, I'm all for it. Um, before we get and in, jump into it with her, because she's so good, mind-blowing information every time, I just kind of want to remind you guys that we finished our five days of Discovering Passion Challenge, and that means, I can't show you the book, but that means that everybody that completed the five-day challenge, you guys get a free ebook, Discovering Passion and Purpose, and using the fuel that's inside of you to discover your dreams and to live out your dreams. So that's on Amazon, available on Amazon. But those of you that finish the challenge, you get it for free. So yay, challenge. That's awesome. I love that. I love that you <laughs> created that. That sounds awesome. It's so great. All right. So without further ado, we get to talk to Dr. Celeste. I know that's why you guys are all tuning in. So how are you, Dr. Celeste? Oh, I'm so good, Monica. It's been um, such a fun month talking to you and chatting to you every Monday. It just seems like it went by so fast, but we have a lot of a lot more fun things to cover. Last time we talked about arousal and the sexual response cycle and, you know, um, a few times ago, a little libido. So um, I did want to talk today a little bit about purity culture because it does affect a lot of us, including myself. Um, and sometimes we don't know what it is or what to really do with it or how it even affected us. So if it's okay with you, I'd like to have that conversation today. The floor is yours. Let's go. <laughs> okay. So, um, I don't, I don't know how much you identify with growing up in purity culture or not. And maybe we can very have much. a conversation. Very much. Yeah. Um, so for the, for the listeners, purity culture is this name kind of given to those of us who grew up in the eighties and nineties, um, and, and some in the early two thousands where, um, there was this real push and kind of a, um, a, a back push from the free love of the sixties and seventies of waiting um, until you're married to have sex. But it was way more than just that. That alone wouldn't have caused such a disruption, but um, it was the, you know, policing of how women dressed and the talking about how if you have sex before you're married, you're going to be less than, or you're going to be less valuable. And there was lots of um, things that people, um, marketed like the true love weights campaign and purity rings and purity balls and pledges. And you better believe I was, I was all of that. Were you too? You're pointing to yourself. I had a certificate. The yeah. Weight, you know, I had a little certificate, a little thing that we went through and yeah. 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 Totally it was a, it was a big deal. I had the things, I had a ring 
that I, yeah, a purity ring and I wore it around my neck. Maybe we talked about this because my, <laughs> my school was so conservative. We couldn't wear jewelry. So I got a purity ring, but I couldn't wear it. Okay. <laughs> I had to wear it around my neck on a chain underneath my shirt. <laughs> I know. So anyway, so purity culture was this kind of backlash from the free love and it was an evangelical Christian movement to um, promote abstinence only education along with kind of some biblical rhetoric about um, how people should live their sex lives. Um, So a lot of us grew up that way um, and there was a lot of messaging that ended up, even though it was meant, I I truly believe it was meant in love the intent was loving, but the impact was harmful for most of us. Um, and so what happened was those messages of you're going to be less valuable if you have sex before you're married or your body as a woman, because these messages were directed at women. I mean, there wasn't any like purity, there were purity rings, but no purity pocket knives. Um, (laughs) right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, geared mainly towards ladies, girls. Yes. Yes. Never thought. Purity balls, purity purity rings. (laughs) And the um, objectification and policing of women's clothing, like you shouldn't wear a short skirt because it will, you know, cause you to be a stumbling block for your brothers in Christ. Good one. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of objectification that you might not recognize. Um, so objectification, meaning making you or your sexuality into a thing um, instead of who you, part of who you are, like your stumbling block, you're a de-pedaled flower, you're a chewed up piece of gum, you know, all of those things essentially telling women that they are things and their virginity or their sexuality is a thing that you give to an appropriate person, right? At an appropriate time. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was sexual objectification in a very different way. <laughs> um, so we grew up, we either had sex or we didn't have sex. We had some sex, no sex, whatever. <laughs> and um, what happens was when we're given some of these messages, like the way that you dress um, is responsible for the arousal of a man like if you wear a dress that's too short you are arousing a man that message in a relationship or a marriage later turns into I am in charge of how my husband does or does not get aroused so I am responsible for sex exactly so then you so if you've ever felt like sex was a chore Mm -hmm. or you felt like responsible to it like Think on back. Did you get messages that you were responsible for men's arousal? I mean, what you're saying now is like, well, maybe subconsciously it was like ingrained in me that I was responsible. You know, no one ever, you know, verbally said it, but all of the messaging leading up to adulthood lended to that. Yeah, absolutely. And so, and I love how you say that because a lot of the messages weren't explicit, like, Ooh. like you're responsible for men's arousal. They were implicit, like the way you dress yeah. is responsible for men's arousal. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unbelievable. So yeah, go keep going. You're like, <laughs> yeah. so we're, we're trying now as we're all kind of in adulthood now, those of us who went through these mm-hmm. messages and messaging, um, we're trying now to kind of figure out how do we rebuild 
a sex life that's more conducive to who I want to be as a woman and how I want to live my life. Um, and a lot of that has to do with deconstructing those messages of your past yeah. and then, and then kind of using your still your um, religious value system. If that's still important to you, right. absolutely use that system plus a little bit of science plus your own intuition, because what happened in purity culture is we were told not to listen to our intuition. You know, don't listen to your sexual feelings, deny your sexual feelings. You aren't a sexual person. You're not allowed to be a sexual person until you sign a marriage certificate and then go for it. (laughs) Then after all of that, it's like, okay, now what? Uh, What do I do? Yeah, I was told my whole life not to be sexual. And then I signed this certificate. I got, I said the vows and now I'm supposed to be some vixen. Like, right. Like, how does that work? Is there a light switch? Like, is there a, yeah. Am I plugged into a source? I'm not really sure how. Yeah. Well, it didn't work for most of us. (laughs) It for sure didn't. I mean, it sure didn't work for me. I waited until I have was married to have penetrative sex and it was really painful. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I couldn't, it was just, I, I didn't know why or how I didn't have enough information or education, just basic comprehensive education to know what to do. So, um, so yeah, so if you're, if you're listening to this and you're thinking like, oh yeah, I did grow up with some of those messages. And most of us think like, I didn't recognize that they would be harmful. Right. I thought they were protecting me. Right. Um, Of course. I I thought so. I mean, I feel like that there are some elements to it that, that did protect some of myself, but then there's other aspects where it's just like, huh, that, that's probably the reason why I struggle a little bit in some areas. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure there are lots of women, especially my audience listening in, that can relate to everything that you're saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you bring up that there are some elements that were protective. Like, for example, here's something that I hear a lot, um, that if you say, you know, we shouldn't teach purity culture I'm saying just sleep with whoever you want like be wild you know and that's not at all what I'm saying either um what I'm saying is to listen to those three things like the your religious value system your own intuition and science to help you make those sexual choices there's something really beautiful about waiting to have you know sex or to have certain sexual experiences with a certain somebody like that can be really empowering for some people, but not if it feels like it's forced on you or you feel like you're going to be less than if you don't. Right. Right. That's right. I actually had a conversation. Um, someone was interviewing me and I don't know how, how up to date you are on like the new trends and songs and different things like that. But, uh, there was a song that Cardi B, you have to know I, it. Oh, you, yes. you have to know it. <laughs> oh, I listened to it this morning. Like it's yes. So what? Uh, and they asked me, you know, so what do you know, what do you think about, you know, the, the, the girls that are listening to this and what they're doing to their future and da 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 all this stuff. And I and I just could not I felt like that he was trying to pull me into the direction of saying that if somehow they um you know, lived a promiscuous life or whatever, that their future was bleak, you know, that they wouldn't be married like me. And, and I was just, I just said, no, I don't, I don't, I don't think that at all. I I said, you know, do you remember listening to, and I started naming all these groups that we listened to, Rex and Effects and Pumps and a Bump and, you know, all this stuff. I mean, it was, there's nothing new under the sun. And so I'm like, we listen to it. I listen to it. I'm, I turned out fine. I'm not saying the road might not be a little bit different, 
difficult when you're when you've engaged with so many different people because I believe that when you do you you've kind of stripped your identity a little bit you're just you've given yourself to people who have not valued you so therefore you have to like you know pull down those walls and uproot different things left over from maybe your self-esteem but other than that their future is just as bright as anybody else's like I, I feel like that we do that a lot and mm-hmm. um we have to be very careful about that and it's always the woman's fault but it's <laughs> always on us you know right. and so right yeah I mean, how many is like, how many songs, and this is exactly what you're saying, but how many songs mention penises and what, you know, women should do to their penises and, you know, all of this. And um, we just don't even blink an eye. Like I could, you know, I could name a thousand. (laughs) I'm just thinking no one, no, no one, no one, it's never an uproar. It's just, it's not. And I could just go into so many different things about, you know, just how, um, women are, are viewed in, you know, just in religion, in church and all of this stuff and how we're responsible as you, even you stated just with our clothes and you don't want to be a stumbling block. What about the, what about the guy? What about, mm-hmm. what's his responsibilities? But, but anyway, I feel like I'm running down a rabbit trail. I don't, no, I don't and, <laughs> no, I'm glad you are. I'm glad you're doing it because it's something that we need to talk about more. You know, it's the it's the classic Madonna whore complex, the classic lady in the streets and a freak in the bed. Right. Yeah. Um, that's what we're that's the ideal. Like, mm-hmm. I want you to be, you know, loud and in charge and um, kinky in the bed. But I want you to be a Stepford wife, you know, and silenced <laughs> in the street. Right. right. <laughs> OK, it looks like there's two people that's entered into the rooms to 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 join us and I, I know they're my friends i'm saying that like you know who, who's, who is two strangers it? joining us <laughs> from people. somewhere i don't know who lady re is but i'm gonna let lynn in lynn is a really good friend of mine so i'm gonna admit her I'm so excited we're gonna do questions yeah so let's yeah. see who else is on it's uh let's see who's here <laughs> lynn are you are you on can you hear me I can hear you. Okay, so Lynn is a really good friend of mine. She's like, we, we say best, we are part of this group called Besties Group. And she's actually, um, what do you, you're, you're, you're a counselor, a, a psychologist. I'm so glad you're Hello. here to join us. This should be fun. Yeah. I am driving through the mountains um, right now. So hopefully I'll be on the entire call. If I drop out, it was nothing that you said. It was my connection. <laughs> this has been iffy the entire time. That's no problem. Uh, well, we're so glad you're here. So this is the part we were just talking about purity culture. So we, we've kind of ended ended that portion. We might pick back up, Celeste, because I think this is very, very important. But so this is the part where we're going to do like question and answers. Um so did you have any, because you see a lot of couples, Lynn, is there, what are some questions that a lot of them ask you? Well, I actually just met with a couple just a couple weeks ago and um, the conversation was so difficult because you could just tell that uh, the husband was very religious and no matter what the wife would say, he was going back to scriptures and whatnot. And I kept sitting there thinking, no wonder you're having trouble sexually when 
you can't even talk about sex without it becoming um, a sermon series. So how do you work people through that? I think what you're talking about, that purity culture, mm. how do you work people through that and begin to recognize that sex inside of marriage is a holy thing and it's okay mm-hmm. to celebrate it and it not just be duty or responsibility okay. because of the covenant? Yeah. Yeah, that's such a great question, Lynn. And I hope that I can give you a tool to help when you have these types of um, clients in your office. So one of the things that I would focus on if I were you um, is what they both want to feel in sex. So have them sit down and give them 90 seconds to just write off the top of their head these are the things that I want to feel. My dream sexual experience would feel like, and they can just write their feelings down. So take it out of like the cerebral, the biblical, and and make it emotion-based, like emotion-based goals, if you will. Um, And so then you can have a more authentic, more vulnerable conversation when he writes down I want to feel desired. I want to feel um, manly. I want to feel whatever it is that he wants to feel. And she says, I want to feel pleasure. I want to feel connection. I want to feel intimacy. And then you can have a conversation that starts with those words instead of a conversation that starts with, well, this is her duty. This is his responsibility, et cetera. So that's one of the things, one thing that might be helpful for you as you're working with them to start from a place of emotion versus starting from a place of frequency or I don't like this position. I do like this position, like start with the emotion and then work your way down from there. Sounds great. I love how you put that. Oh, your audio. I know you're driving through the mountains. <laughs> We've lost Lynn. Yo, we lost. <laughs> I think, yeah, we, I think we lost Lynn. Yep, yep, you're you're distorted now. It's the mountains coming around. Oh, it's the mountains. Well, I hope she I hope Lynn that you can listen to this later. I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I think of that? Yeah, it's okay. It's totally all right. Um, you can think about it now and it's a beautiful question to ask and like don't know there's no you know, no shame and not knowing. I have those moments all the time where I'm like, oh, oh why didn't I just ask them that? <laughs> <laughs> what are some other questions that like a lot of couples come to you about, Celeste, um, with with relations to the like passion and pleasure and, and things like yeah. that? The most common question is about frequency, about how much, how much sex should we be having? And a good sex therapist, a good sex educator will never tell you a number. Okay. Never. (laughs) Um, Because the only thing I'm going to do, say, Monica, if you asked me this question and I told you a number, what's the first thing that you're going to do? Try to, well, if you tell me a number, I'm probably going to measure myself to that. Like, I suck. Yes. And, you know, it's like, um, I'm not meeting that. (laughs) Yes. You're going to compare. Exactly. You're going to say like, oh, I'm there. I'm not there. I'm somewhere in between. You're going to compare. And we know that with sex, as with most things, comparison is the thief of joy. Right. And so, yeah. So, first of all, I never say a number. People can go Google and look up. There are numbers of the average amount of times Americans have sex per month or week or whatever. But What What do they say? 
I can see I'm not gonna I like I have this like firm thing that I that I will not say numbers because the perfect amount of sex is um I know she's googling right now (laughs) the perfect amount of sex is the amount of sex that works for the couple and so I have couples that have ABC sex anniversary birthday Christmas (laughs) and then I have couples who have sex a lot more than that and if they're fine with it that is fine hi there she is. Okay. Lynn. Lynn. <laughs> we can see you. We can yes, see you. Yes, I can hear you. I just couldn't, um, couldn't hear me. So. <laughs> okay. So, okay. Cause you were distorted for a little bit. All right. Now do you, what, what else you got? Oh, so another question um, that will come across in, in my office when I am working with a couple that aren't on the same page with the relationship itself. So they're already battling with, are they going to stay together or not going to stay together? And then you throw in um, sex on top of that. Me knowing that sex is a very important part if you're going to keep the relationship together, how do you um, help them work through when one really literally doesn't want to and the other one does? Yeah. So... So I will tell you there's a difference between your clients and my clients and because I don't take clients that are on the brink of divorce and you may, (laughs) or like they're wondering whether to stay together or not. Those are not my clients. Um, But what I will say is that there's a difference between desire and arousal, whereas maybe the one partner has has no arousal for sex. Like, oh, I don't get aroused very easily, but maybe once I'm in a sexual scenario, my arousal shows up. But then there is, I don't have desire. And desire is like, I don't want to be in the same room with you, you know, instead of like, I don't want to have, I don't really feel like having sex, but I love you um, versus I don't, I don't want to be with you at all. So starting to tease out, like, is, an, is it an issue of arousal or is it an issue of desire? Like, I don't, I don't like you very much, you know, um, that could be helpful to start. Well, I would kind of like out. the answer for both of those. Cause I see both of those types. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have both where they're going to be together forever. They want to be together, but one is just not as sexual as the other. So it could be either one of those scenarios that I'm working with. So I would love the answer for both of those. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. So let me tell you what I would work through with the arousal couple. Like, um, you know, one partner wants to have more sex than the other, or one partner is just like, I don't really ever feel like I want to have sex. So that's an arousal issue where you could start talking to them about the difference between, between spontaneous arousal and responsive arousal, meaning Responsive arousal means I may never out of the blue want, want to or feel like having sex, but once sexual behavior starts, I start to get into the mood. So a lot of us actually experience responsive arousal, but we never see responsive arousal on TV or in movies. It's always spontaneous arousal. Like, I feel like having sex, so I go get sexual behavior. <laughs> um, and so a lot that of couples, for me is kind of like an, a um, what's what's the word um, expectation and an unrealistic expectation. Yes, that sex is going to be like on TV where the woman yes. is all into it and is running after the man, or vice versa. But that's yeah. really un, you're saying that's really unreal expectation because that doesn't normally happen. 
Totally. And I love how you put it like that. Yes, totally an unrealistic expectation. It doesn't happen like that for even a lot of the most healthy sexual couples. Um, I also talk to them about how sex is a learned behavior. We are kind of taught to believe that sex is really natural. And even though it is biological, you still have to learn how to have sex with every partner you have and relearn how to have sex as your life and circumstances change with the same partner. So it's okay that you go through phases of relearning and, okay, I, I didn't used to like this. Now I really like this. Or oh, now I want to get like aroused in a different kind of way now that I've had kids or now that our bodies are changing or we're going through grief or different things. So relearning their sexual script, which is another term you might like to use of everybody has a sexual script and that's how you get into sex, how you get into a sexual scenario. And so for some people that's like, we're laying in bed and, you know, breast massage starts happening. Or for other people, it's like, hey, baby, I brushed my teeth. And that's like the <laughs> beginning of sex, right? Wow, <laughs> um, that is some low expectation. That is low expectation. Teeth yes. brushing does it for you. Okay. <laughs> so, every, so start to talk about, like, let's reinvigorate your sexual script. Like, what might work a little bit better now? Because you're not in high school. You're not in college anymore. You know, you're in your 60s or you're in your 40s and things are different. What is your best way to get into a sexual scenario? Like it. I do have a I do have one question um, that someone's texted me and it says, um, what are some steps slash tips that couples can do to ease back into physical intimacy if it's been lacking? Ah, yeah. Um, so one of the things that I like to give to couples who have maybe had like a brief moment of respite from sex or, a, you know, a brief um, separation from sex for lots of different reasons. Um, for, like, for example, my, when my brother died, um, there was a long period of time when I did not feel sexual, right? And so this happens, it doesn't, it, first of all, recognizing it isn't always a reflection of the relationship. It is just people go through stuff and sometimes you don't feel like being that connected, that vulnerable. Um, so one of the ways to get back into that space is to go slow, maybe start with a sensate focus exercise where you spend 20 dedicated minutes just exploring each other's bodies with your hands, but maybe don't include the breasts or genitals. And then the next time you get together, do the same 20 minutes, but do include the breasts or genitals, but don't have expectations of penetration or orgasm. And then the next time you get together just a little bit more. So it doesn't feel quite so intimidating or it doesn't have to feel the same as it did before. It can just be, well, let's get to know each other's bodies again a little bit. Let's reintroduce each other's bodies to each other. And then we can kind of build on from there. That is so good. That was really good. Lynn, do you have any other questions? Oh, I can give you all kinds of questions <laughs> if you haven't been here for a long time. <laughs> you know the friend that I oh needed that one at the very beginning when I was super squeamish about like even having this conversation. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I don't know it's even but. And I said, this is the best podcast ever until I found out that my 19-year-old daughter was listening. And then I thought, thanks, Monica. Now she knows more than I do. <laughs> great, though. She's empowered, right? Right, right. Loving it. Yeah. You got this, Lynn. But the great thing this. is, but the great thing is she's talking to me about it. And I think that's a win because mm -hmm. how many... 
um, young people who have grown up in the church. Wow. I mean, with pastors for parents. So mm-hmm. just not just grew up in the church, but her pastors are parents who is sitting down with mom saying, so Auntie Monica said this. <laughs> what do you think about that? Right. You know, so it, yeah. it's been it's been very fun. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> as, as uncomfortable as it is, Lynn, I always tell parents that the most important thing you can say to your kids is something that helps them establish trust with you. That's your number one goal is you want to be the person they go to when they have sex questions. And you do that by being honest. Exactly. Like this exactly. is sex. This is your penis, your vulva, your clitoris. Da, da, da. Um, and so that they'll come to you when they're like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm having this issue or I'm having these feelings or I don't know what to do here instead of to the internet or cousin Vinny. I or couldn't whoever. agree more. I could not agree more. I had a conversation with a new couple um, last week who's talking about adopting. So they don't know how old their child will be. Mm. And I said, one of the things that, and I'm an adoptive parent. And so they wanted to meet with me because, okay, how do I navigate some of these waters? And I said, one of the things that I tell every parent is from the time your child is a baby, if they have a question, if they're pointing at a, I said, I told the story of my daughter being in the bathtub with me and she noticed for the first time my pubic hair. Mm -hmm. And most parents be just like real embarrassed and push her away. And I was, I just simply said, Hey, that protects mommy's um, special place. And when you're older, you'll have it too. And she just kind of went, turned around and kept playing with her toys in the bathtub. And that was it. (laughs) And then when she had her next question, she didn't, she had no fear coming to me to ask me questions. And thanks to Monica, I know that that, that, that relationship is still going strong. (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) that's that's amazing and that's exactly right like we are the ones who make it so weird the kids aren't trying to make it weird they're just asking like how do you make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich how does sex work what what are these things on you know and if we don't answer the kid in the back of the bus is going to answer the question and who knows what the kid in the back of the bus is going to say so I would rather it come from me than the sixth grader that's as clueless as they are (laughs) right exactly Exactly. Thank you, Lynn, for coming on. I'm going to release you so no. I can um, wrap up with Celeste, but you're awesome. All those questions. Thank you, Lynn. Lynn. It was so All nice right. to meet you. You Start too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Love her. That's that's my girl. Oh my goodness. She's amazing. <laughs> I love her too. <laughs> she really is. You really will love her. We were trying to figure out a way to get you here to like meet, you know, some of the other women who would just, you know, maybe like a retreat or you'll hear more from me about it. Oh, good. Yes. Gotta get you in person. (laughs) But um, is there any final thoughts that you want to wrap up with? I know this is our our last official week. We might extend. We we will talk about, we'll talk about doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, just, you know, I'm thankful for you having me on and just any time that we can have honest conversations about sex, everybody benefits. So yeah. thank you so much for being vulnerable and willing to have these sensitive conversations with me. I really yeah. feel honored. They're very um, comfortable. 
Yeah, good, good. And I hope that I hope that we can continue them and I hope that your listeners can, can feel empowered to continue them with their partners or their kids or their, you know, aunties or cousins or whomever. So I think that's I think that's wonderful. So if you are oh um, before I go, if uh, if you're interested in having more information or more talks about purity culture, I do have a webinar that I'm doing with theologian Bonnie Lewis. Um, so we're going to talk about all aspects of purity culture, from biblical aspects to scientific to behavioral, whatever. Um, and that's October 7th from 5 to 7 Pacific time, which is 7 to 9 Central, 8 to 10 Eastern. Is that right? <laughs> um, yes. So you can go to my Instagram. Um, you'll find a link in the bio and you can sign up there. It's $69 and that was on purpose. So. Awesome. <laughs> Oh, how cool is that? <laughs> and we all know what that is. <laughs> Unintended. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> anything else? Anything else you want to say? Just thank you so much for having me on. I hope that um, we see each other again soon, really soon. <laughs> Dude, I, was, I was telling somebody like, I feel like she's my friend. Oh, no, we are friends. Know. No, it's not. I feel like we definitely are. We are friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Celeste, for coming. And uh, I just feel so honored that you said yes. In these last few weeks, I mean, off, off air, I'll let you know what they've done for me. But I mean, it's been so empowering, so encouraging. And so thank you for for enlightening us and giving us tips and tools and all of that great stuff. So, You're welcome. Thank My you. pleasure. Mm-hmm. And thank you, um, everyone who's tuned in and listened, all of the people that are across the country and globe. Shout out to, there was another um, another country that was added on that I was like, wow, you, you guys are listening too, huh? Um, it wasn't New Zealand, it was someone else. It was somewhere else. And I was like, whoa, this is crazy. So now it was 11 countries. Now it's 12 countries. So thank you so much for listening. Everybody near and far, remember that a whole heart is a heart that's full of joy. It is a joyful heart. And that's what we're working towards every day. All right. I love you until we see each other, speak to each other, hear each other again. Have a great day. Bye.